This is Changemakers with Katie Gore, finding the right solutions for the affordable housing community. Today's Changemaker is Yvette Hester, the Executive Director and Chief Executive Officer of the Housing Authority of New Orleans. Yvette brings decades of executive level experience at several housing authorities across the United States, including Baltimore, Philadelphia, Houston, and Montgomery, Alabama. In her current role, Yvette manages nearly 5,000 low to moderate income housing units, along with administering 18,000 housing choice vouchers. Yvette, welcome to the podcast. Thank you, Katie. Thank you for having me. You know, before we dive into the specifics related to New Orleans and your agency, why don't you tell us about yourself? You know, how did you get started working in affordable housing? Or really, what drives you in this industry? Thank you, Katie. What I can tell you is that all my life, I wanted to help people. That's in my spirit. That's who I am. And I started my career in housing at the Housing Authority in the city of Baltimore. And I started out as an entry-level employee. The beauty of starting out as an entry-level employee is that you get to learn all of the business processes at the ground level. So I I have a very unique uh, perspective as an executive director at the uh, Housing Authority of New Orleans because I've worked my way through the ranks. But prior to working with the Housing Authority of the City of Baltimore, I worked in a community organization affiliated with the Johns Hopkins uh, Hospital in Baltimore. And I served as a housing counselor and a, a community center that was serving the chronically mentally disabled uh, population. And my role as a housing counselor was to help them reintegrate into the community and equip them with skills so that they can become employable. And at that time, at that moment, at that aha moment, I uh, realized that I had a passion for people and wanting to help people. And so uh, migrating over to the housing authority in Baltimore was a natural fit, and that was my destiny. And I chose that at that moment as my career path. You know, that's interesting because having that, you know, real ground perspective and really meeting people to develop their skill set, that's just something that overlays so well in the housing industry, doesn't it? Yes, it does. You know, you're the first female executive director at the Housing Authority of New Orleans. And really, while society still chatters whether that's a distinguishing factor to note or not, it's an achievement that you've carried in almost every role. So are there any experiences or wisdom that you want to highlight in your professional journey? Well, the the wisdom that I would like to impart to my colleagues is keep the fire going right? Have the passion, have the empathy. That'll go a long way. You will get so much fulfillment in your life by helping someone else. That's the thing that's helped carry me through my career, that passion, that empathy, and wanting to help others. And so if I were to pass something on to my colleagues, um, that would be it, is to, to keep that fire lit, and keep that empathy, and you will do great things. 
You know, that's something that Tim Shriver on our previous podcast, he mentioned, he talked about the give principle and what it does for you personally and what it does for you professionally. And he also mentioned several instances where he's seen that principle applied. And so you're, you're touching on a theme that I'm not sure a lot of people realize, but it is a true life secret, isn't it? Absolutely. Absolutely. So obviously, New Orleans is known for several things, a major tourist city, heritage, culture, music, and of course, the food. But tell us what's happening in the affordable housing domain. Oh, there is a number of exciting things that's happening here. Let me just first say that this city is committed to affordable housing and expanding affordable housing. The commitment uh, from the city is unmatched than any other city I've ever worked. This mayor has pledged resources to affordable housing and provides the support that's needed to ensure that we can continue to fulfill our mission and expand affordable housing. I'm not sure if you know this, but there is an affordable housing crisis in New Orleans. Uh, A lot of people here are rent burdened. There's a lack of affordable housing. I think Housing NOLA produced a report that said about 63% of the population is rent burdened. So that's a tremendous drain on the community. And so our part in this big picture of addressing affordable housing in this city is to, number one, pledge the resources that we have to the private sector who can build affordable housing communities probably a little quicker than what we can. Also, we have nine projects in the queue right now which uh, total about $200 million worth of development activities to help expand affordable housing. Those are some of the things that we are doing right now in this community to help uh, alleviate the crises that it is uh, faced with. Uh, We've also adopted policies in the way of preferences to assist our neighbors who were affected by hurricanes and also families that were displaced or made homeless uh, because of the pandemic. And so we work with our community partners here to help identify those families and we set aside resources to help them get situated. You know, in several cities, they actually don't take such a progressive or such a strategic position. So it's good to hear that the leadership is not just committed, but pledging resources and being really active in this arena. And the Housing Authority of New Orleans, you guys are positioned to really do more than just coordination. You guys are leading here with all of your community partners and your private developers. $200 million, that's an investment. Do you guys see yourselves as an agency, as an economic tool or an economic driver for the city? Oh, absolutely. We are an economic driver for the city. I mean, we serve over 22,000 families between our two programs. The Housing Choice Voucher Program is the largest. We serve over 18,000 families in that program, and that represents about 20% of the rental market in New Orleans. 
And so uh, we are driving the market on the rental side, and we are driving the market on the development side. But one of the things that we do with our development uh, activities, we, we, we're very strategic because we don't just want to put a house in the ground. We want to rebuild communities. And so all of the areas that we have pledged resources and uh, completed redevelopment has changed that community for the better. Uh, mm-hmm. There's more services that are being pledged to support those communities. And so in other words, we are economic catalysts for uh, communities that we have our development activities and uh, uh, pledging resources. You know, I want to demystify the myth here that I've heard, and I actually heard it on a um, New Orleans radio program where they talked about living next to people and affordable housing. And so let's break this apart because I think it continually needs to be part of our role to talk about that and demystify it or debunk theories you know, what does it look like for you guys as an agency when you're trying to build, improve, and encourage mobility within a community? Do you see resistance? Do you see success stories? What would you speak to that? Well, you know, over my career, I can speak to this issue over my career, and not just in, in New Orleans. You have some communities who are very resistant and will place barriers in front of you to not progress. But as a seasoned professional who will have a good team around me, we will we will clear those hurdles. And, and so I think the important part of the fear factor that you see with nimbyism, and because I, I believe that's what you're speaking of is nimbyism, mm-hmm. is that you gotta quell those those fears that people have that their property values are going to decrease or there's going to be a community element that they never experienced that's going to be living next door to them, or the whole unfairness part of it of uh, here people are paying uh, very little for rent and living in these beautiful palaces. And so I think part of that fear and that negativity comes with us doing a better part of communicating with uh, community groups and neighborhood organizations and any stakeholder who is vested in any of our projects. You know, I think back to a personal instance, I actually lived next to a Section 8 recipient and I was in a downtown community where there was, you know, really a 50-50 homeownership rental. It wasn't predominantly homeownership in that area. This is just one instance, and it's very anecdotal, but it was a single mother, and she was so neat and tidy, and she contributed to the community, and you know she was doing like everybody else in this community, wanting to live life, wanting to better her life, wanting to provide stability, just real core human needs. And, you know, there were no issues. You know, I think when people make inferences that are just random or, you know, isolated to a broader theory, they haven't known a person in affordable housing. And they haven't had housing instability in their life to understand what affordable housing can do for an individual. And so, so many times that you see this resistance and this kind of rhetoric, 
you break it down and you say, have you known anybody? Have you ever experienced it? And you realize that they're, like you said, putting up these barriers because they have an isolation point. They, they have blinders on their eyes. So, you know, thinking about that, it leads me to what is the best thing that you guys are doing? Because I've heard you guys are running some programs for landlord recruitment. And Quadel, you know, we have conducted many landlord fairs and recruitment strategies and education sessions. And I've been really impressed with what you guys are doing with your landlord incentive program. So tell us more about that. So with COVID, we all had to pivot and do things a little differently. And it was uh, fortunate that we were provided additional resources to help us pivot to this this new working environment, this new engagement environment that was thrusted on us. And so one of the challenges that we realized that we had was that we were issuing vouchers and we had about a thousand vouchers on the street. But people were having an, a hard time to find units, to find decent units. We were having a hard time recruiting landlords. There was barriers in, in trying to get into units to see them or to inspect them. I mean, it was the whole gamut of what COVID brought on this industry. One way that we thought would be useful for us to assist our clients in finding suitable housing was let's see how we can entice more landlords into the program, engage them in a way where they would lease up their units um, quicker and make them more accessible. So we decided to incentivize our landlords that if they if they executed new leases within a certain time frame, we would give them an incentive. And that uh, worked out pretty well. We were able to uh, incentivize several hundred landlords in the program. We also did something different with respect to vacancy payments in our project-based program. Several years ago, when we executed the HAP contracts, we redacted out the ability for uh, landlords to get vacancy payments. And so we decided, you know, we need to we need to keep these landlords. We need to help them during this very difficult time where they weren't collecting any rent. And so on a temporary basis, we allow them to collect vacancy payments. And and we will continue that until June of this year. And that will lessen some of the financial burden that uh, the multifamily housing industry is experiencing right now. So those are some of the things that we're doing. We also re-energized our communication with our landlords and have regular meetings. Um, And actually the Zoom format is working very well for us. It's a way for us to communicate any policy changes, any updates, any programs that um, that we are, that's on the uh, blueprint and to get their feedback on how we can better improve the administration of all of our Section 8 programs. You know, those are great policy and program pivots. You know, is this part of the approach that you're taking uh, for new customer service and what that looks like for your organization? Oh, yes, absolutely. We are engaging one not only a different customer service protocol, but also a rebranding 
initiative for this agency. We realize that customer service is is very important in um, ensuring that for us not only to perform tasks more efficiently, but also to have a happier workforce. And we believe that having a happier workforce is a more productive workforce. It builds community confidence. It restores credibility that, quite frankly, can translate into more resources for us. It strengthens the the corporate culture. And it builds stronger internal and external teams. Part of our rebranding strategy is to have ambassadors and advocates on our behalf. We have been laddled with a not so stellar reputation over the years. Some of it is legacy things that happened pre-Katrina. Those legacy issues have continued to affect us now. And so as a part of our rebranding strategy, we are enlisting our advocates, including our resident leaders, our resident advisory board, as well as community organizations to help us repair our image and restore community confidence. Yvette, I want to dig deeper into Hanno's relationship with your residents and community, but we have to stop right here. Coming up in the second part of my conversation with Yvette Hester, the Executive Director and CEO of the Housing Authority of New Orleans, we'll talk about their incredible resident advisory group and the housing crunch that's currently affecting the city. The number of all of the families on our combined waiting list, which means that folks can be on several waiting lists, the same family can be on 10 different waiting lists, is about 80,000. Thanks for listening to Changemakers with Katie Gore. To find out more about Katie, go to quadel.com. That's Q-U-A-D-E-L.com. This has been a production of Forbes Books Radio.